Listen, you have had a wonderful conference um, this weekend, and they have shared some wonderful word. And the title of this conference has been Receiving the Ministry and Advancing the Work. And two of the passages of Scripture that was issued out to us was John chapter 10 and verse 14. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. However, this morning, I want to tie in to those passages of Scripture by speaking to you from Mark chapter 6 verse 1 through 6. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? That such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the village in a circuit teaching. I want to tie into our theme this weekend, receiving the ministry and advancing the work by having a subtitle in you to go beyond you. It's in you, but it's to go beyond you. You may be seated. We have perfected the process of asking, but learning how to receive is a different process. In fact, you remember what James, the brother of Jesus, said, don't you? He said, we have not because we ask not. But listen to the second part, and he said, but yet we don't receive because we ask sickly. We ask without really expectations. We need to learn not just how to ask, but how to receive what God desire to give to us. In our text this morning, uh, Jesus comes to his hometown after being on the circuit. And in and, and chapter 5 of Mark, as, as you look back, Jesus uh, was uh, uh, busy and performing miracles amongst people 
who believed there was a woman who had an issue of blood, ladies, for 12 long years, just flowing like a stream. But she said within herself, because she knew that there was something special in Jesus, she knew that there was a power in him to heal because she had heard it all through the countryside. So she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, he doesn't have to say anything to me. He don't have to acknowledge me. But if I can just make my way to touch him, I believe I'll receive my healing. But the real reason Jesus was there, because Jairus, some of us call him Jairus, daughter was sick unto death. And Jesus was on his way to just raise her up from sickness. And you know that what the story says, he got there and he, he raised her up again. So he came to Nazareth with all of this in his background where, where individuals had enough faith in him that they were willing to come to him and receive what they needed. Maybe not what they wanted, but what they needed. Now he goes into Nazareth, his hometown, population of 300 people. <laughs> and they rejected him. See, sometimes people can get too familiar with you. They get so familiar with you that they don't understand that God's hand and his anointing is upon you. Jesus began to speak words that came from God himself. And they asked the question, where did he get this knowledge from? Where did he get this wisdom from? Hmm. Familiarity breeds contempt amongst contemptible people. Some of us are in need, but you are particular where you get your need met from. They opposed him because he grew up there. See, there are people that don't mind you being successful, don't mind you being uh, famous, but yet they become so familiar with you that they look beyond the gift that God has placed in you. And you know how our people are, you know, uh, I grew up with him. I, I grew up with her and, and, and where did they get that from? I don't have it. So they judge you based upon their own character and gifts. Hmm. He was so familiar with them that they missed his potential. They missed the greatness that was in him. And above all, they miss that God was working through him. Hmm. And if we're not careful, we can miss the most important thing in life by having a limited vision. That was the real problem. They did not have a vision of what God could do. 
They didn't see that God was working in his life. If they had have seen that God was working in his life, then they will have known that God was wanting to do a transformational thing in their life through their homeboy. Because of their limited vision, they didn't see that God can do anything but fail. I want to say this before I get into this text. God chooses whom he wills. He does not ask for your permission. And many times they are not the best suited for what needs to be done. But what they have is a heart after God. What they have is a heart that they're willing to submit to the will of God, even above their own will and desire, their goals, their dreams, and their aspiration. They have opened themselves up to God and said, God, whatever your will is, that's what I'm willing to do. They missed an awesome divine opportunity because they did not accept Christ the Messiah. Have you heard that commercial that comes on TV and, you know, they, you know, guy is thirsty and, and he drinks a drink only to discover that he could have had a V8? <laughs> I went and got this whatever you thought you wanted, and then you realize, I could have had something more refreshing. I could have had something more healthy. I could have had something more satisfying. I could have had a V8. When you can have Jesus, let me ask you the question, why would you settle for something less? When you can have the blessings of God up on your life, why would you settle for something less? They settled for less because they could not accept it coming from Jesus. Because he was a hometown boy. They could have had deliverance, but they rejected it. And I just need to get on my soapbox for a moment. I am so tired of fake news and fake religion and fake believers of God who are like toy soldiers who have their weapons in their hands, but they are not advancing towards battle. They are not going to deliver and fight for it. It's time for the church to pray for deliverance, fast for deliverance, preach for deliverance, fight for deliverance. There is too many people bound within the door shot of our churches and we are coming to worship God as if we have all the answers, but we are not willing to accept the ministry and advance it forward. Mm -hmm. I just thought I just needed to throw that in. We need a church in this day that's willing to fight for deliverance. I know for myself that God can deliver us from sin. God can deliver us from selfishness. God can deliver us from satanic devices. God can deliver us from addictions and, and all of this other type of stuff. He will deliver us from the plan and the purpose of the enemy. But we've got to accept the ministry of deliverance. Mm. I, I just, 
I just need to say this because people are watching me at another location today. Our churches are staying small because we don't believe in deliverance. People need to be deliberate. They need to be delivered. And there are some things the government cannot do. There are some things the banks cannot do. You need Jesus Christ to come to set you free from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. They missed out on this awesome opportunity. Now, let me give you a little background of what's happening here. See, in Judaism, you have to be at least 12 years of age before you can begin to be trained as a rabbi. And then you cannot graduate until you are 30 years of age. And once you graduate, you have got to be able to quote the Torah, the first five books of the Bible written by Moses by memory. Hmm. So Jesus comes to the temple in Luke chapter 4. Listen to this. As he gets ready to start this minute, he comes to the temple to celebrate his graduation and to announce his coming out as the fulfillment of the scripture. So he takes the book of Isaiah as we find it in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. And listen to what he says. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That sounds like deliverance to me. That was his purpose for coming, not just to forgive us of sin, but to deliver us, not just to write our names down in the Lamb's book of life, but to deliver us, not just to give us a position in the church, but to bring deliverance into our lives. Hmm. Hmm. But listen to what the scripture said. They were offended at him. They went from being astonished to, of the wisdom and the power he had to being offended. Where did he get this power from? Where did he get this wisdom from? What makes him so special? What, what gives him the mind that he can talk to us like this? We wiped his nose when his nose was dirty. We changed that rag on his behind. And is not his family here with us as well? He's nothing but a peasant acting like a prophet. Unbelief. Sad, the scripture said, and Jesus could not do what he wanted to do there. Hmm. Not that he didn't have the power, but they didn't believe. And, and the scripture
scripture puts it, I like the way it prays it. He said, and he could do no mighty works there. You know why he couldn't do any mighty works? Because they didn't believe in him enough to bring people to him. Oh, don't miss that, saints. If you want to see miracles in your church, bring somebody. You want to see people saved, bring some sinners to the church. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? He had the power, but they didn't believe enough to bring people to him. I know this is true because the Bible said, yeah, 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 yeah. But he laid his hands on a few sick folk and they was healed. He laid his hands on a few because only a few was there. I just, I just sense as I'm talking here, God's spirit is in this room. Matthew 18 and 20, what does it say? It said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. God said, listen, I will be there in the midst of them. If you could just get two or three people that believe, God said, I'll be there in the midst of them. And so if God is in the midst of us, we need to respond with faith and accept his will and his word. God doesn't see things the way we see things. God looks on the, on the heart. He's not looking on the outward appearance. Yes, God is concerned about numbers, but if he can get in your heart, he'll cause you to produce. Oh, hear what I'm saying somewhere. He'll cause you to be contagious. He'll cause you to have an affectious type spirit that will draw people. People will look upon you and say, there go a man, there go a woman of God. I want what they have. If you would just believe and, and get into this heart, get, let him in your heart. One of my favorite preachers, Dr. Tony Evans, tells a story about uh, back in 2003, he and his wife went to New York City. And when it came time to check out of their hotel, they went to the airport to catch a flight. But once they got to the hotel, Due to a power grid failure, all the power in the eastern seaboard went out. And they had to leave the airport. And they finally found a hotel out of exhaustion there in New York City. Moved into the hotel and there was, there was no lights. There was no power whatsoever. All there was was candles <laughs> strewn all through the hotel. Hot air blowing because it was in the summertime and the bed was sweaty. But when they checked into the hotel, Tony looks out of the window and he saw what looked like a block away, a sign all lit up says Marriott. And he said, wow, it's Everywhere I look, the power is off, but, but the Marriott sign is lit up. So he goes down about a block or so away, and the closer he got to the Marriott Hotel, he heard laughter. <laughs> he heard music and dancing. When he got there, people were, were, were drinking and just having a good time, and he, 
he walks in and, and, and he watched a little satellite television and cable television. And all of a sudden, the, the assistant manager walks up to him and he said, sir, I have a question for you. Uh, how is it that all of New York City, the power is out, but this place is lit up like a Christmas tree? Sister manager as well said, well, sir, when we built this place, we built it with a gas generator in the basement. Follow me what I'm saying. He said, therefore, what's happening out there does not affect what's happening in here. No matter what the situation and the circumstances are on the outside, we have power here on the inside. When you have faith in God, he puts a power plant down on the inside of you that no matter what's happening on the outside, you still have power. You still have joy. You still have peace. You still have the prosperity of God running through your life. It's time for the church to stand up and accept the ministry of Jesus Christ because until we do, we cannot advance the kingdom of God. It's in you. And he put it in you to go beyond you. Oh, listen, listen to what the text says. He said, listen, he said, listen, though they rejected him, listen, Jesus did not get discouraged and quit. Ooh. Whoa, I just, I just need to, I just need to throw some on you all because I've learned something over the years that God is better than man-made organizations. It's time for us to stop being so denominational and start to be word-oriented. Listen to Mark 16. And verse 16 and, and, and 17. We know Mark 16 and 16. Whosoever believing and baptized, they're they going to be saved. But listen what he starts to say. He said, those who believe in my name, he said, they shall cast out demons. They're going to go on and speak with tongues. They're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If they be bidden by any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. See, this is what I call a smorgasbord scripture. Follow what I'm saying. We pick and choose what we want to hear. We pick and choose what we want to do. But because we don't understand, we don't see what Jesus is trying to tell us. Jesus is not trying to tell us that what defines us is our ability to lay hands on the sick, our abilities to speak with tongues, our ability to lay hands on the sick. Oh, no, what he's trying to tell us that when we believe the word of God, we have the power to tear down Satan's kingdom and build up the kingdom of God because people need to deliverance and when he gets to the speaking in tongues he said there's going to be people groups that don't speak the same language that you speak but when the spirit comes in the midst of them if you need to speak Italian he's going to help you speak Italian if you need to speak French he's going to give you a French language because it's time to tear down 
the kingdom of Satan. You can't build the kingdom of God until you tear down this kingdom. That's why the scripture said, for God so loved the world, the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Listen to what he's trying to say. Can I interpret what he's trying to say in Mark 16? We need a world vision, not a local vision. That's our problem right there. Our vision is too small. And we don't like people that have big visions. It has gotten so, Pastor David, that you need to be careful who you tell your vision to. Hmm. Joseph told his vision to his brothers and they incarcerated him. Because people don't like you to talk big. But I want to say to us, get a big vision. We serve a big God. He's able to do big things. He does supernatural things because he's supernatural. Ah, but listen, listen to what this text says. It's time for us to advance this work. They rejected him, but he didn't get discouraged and quit. Jesus begins to teach them. That's the problem. We need to be taught the word of God. Oh, it's good to worship. In fact, the Bible said God seeking people who will worship him in spirit and truth. But we need to be taught God's will. Oh, say, preaching is for sinners. That's what Paul said. But teaching is for the saints. The gospels teach you how to be saved. But the epistles teach you how to behave. We need, we need to learn that in the church of God. Many of us, when you see business is not uh, progressing like we want it to progress, we'll shut it down. We got a whole lot of churches because we're not doing what we think we all do. They just shut it down. But Jesus had a different mindset. He didn't shut it down. He expanded it. He went on a circuit teaching them. And not only that, because he was limited by his flesh on earth. Those that he had been teaching and training, he pulled them together and sent them out two by two. <laughs> wow. He, he sent them out two by two, gave them power, gave them a purpose, and gave them provision. Teach. And in Luke chapter 10, look at the results. Luke 10, 17 through 19, it was, it, it was interesting. The disciples came back to and they was all excited. Lord, 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 we, we saw uh, all of these type of miracles. Demons bowed down to us as a result of your name. Jesus said, well, wait, wait, wait hold it, boys. Don't, don't get excited all about all that because I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Quick, fast, and in a hurry at the sound of his name. But Jesus said, nevertheless, don't, 
Don't rejoice because of this. He said, rejoice because your names are written down in the book of life. We have gone after the gifts of the spirit instead of going after the giver of the gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people that need a relationship with Jesus because you can speak in a tongue and still can't control your tongue. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name and they'll recover because the power is not in you. The power is in his name, but it's something that heaven rejoices when people come to say, what must I do to be saved? The church is no good unless it's saving souls. The church is no good unless people are being delivered. And can I tell you something? Deliverance needs to start at the house of God. I'm like Forrest Gump. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Mm. I like that song said, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Every one of us ought to say to him, take my hands, Lord, and take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, and speak to me, through me, if you can use anything. You can use me. You don't have to be like the pastor and the first lady, but just yield yourself to God. And watch and see what he does. See, it's in you, but God wants to take this thing beyond you. Jesus said this, and it's in our text that I'm sure that Pastor Shaw and, and Pastor Foster dealt with, uh, John 10 and 14. He said, listen, my sheep know my boys. Stranger, they will not follow. But he said, listen, I got sheep that are not even of this flock. See, that's what I'm talking about, having a world vision. There are people that are going to be blessed by the gifts that you have here that you will never see come into this building. God called them here not just for you, but for the community around you. It's in you. So I just want to say, it's time for us to take a risk. <laughs> Step out of the boat like Peter did. And say, Lord, if it's really you, call me to you. And all Jesus said was, come. When he momentarily took his eyes off of Jesus, when he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus reached down and pulled him out. There are people all around us. If you would just start with your family. What a revival would take place in this church. I believe with all of my heart, all the world has seen what has happened to Flint. We're right, we're right for God to turn it around. So the world can see what God can do with them. Matthew 28, 19, 20. What does it say? It said, go ye into all the world. It didn't say, go ye into all the Flint. No. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. Then he said that teaching them. That's your ministry. You don't need a new vision statement. You don't need a new purpose statement. 
Jesus has laid it out right there. I want to close with this passage of Scripture. I believe it's Luke 14 and 23. Jesus was giving the uh, parable of a feast. 14, chapter 23, verse, he said, go out and compel them to come in. Oh, I see, I see this thing clear now. If you would pray for your ministry gifts, and you go out and compel people to come in. You don't prayed them up. They've studied up. The Spirit of God begins to speak to them, speak through them as well. People will come running to God. What must I do to be saved? Because I see this thing so clearly now. You're not going to see miracles in your midst until you go get the people. Hmm. Hmm. My church dead. It's dead because you dead. God wants to use you. I wish I could sing a little better than I do. But since I can't, I just want to just read this one line of this song. It says, people need the Lord. Hmm. Somebody new creation. I hope they get enough singing that right now. Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will they realize people need the Lord? When will we realize that? Dr. Foster, I I agree with Bill Hybels. The church, when it operates right, is the best hope for this world. Yeah, I've been critical myself of churches on every block and in between every block. But we need as many as we possibly can get if we're willing to do the will of God. If we're willing to accept the ministry, to receive it, and begin to advance the work. I want to ask you now, is there anyone here that's willing to receive the ministry gift of this house for the purpose of advancing kingdom work? If that's you, I want you just to come stand right here and we're going to pray and go home and eat some chicken and potato salad because the work of the Lord will be done. I heard your word. God bless me. I heard the word. And I'm going to receive the ministry that God has given us. When Jesus ascended up to heaven, what did the scripture say? What descended from him? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teaching, teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. For the maturing of the saints. 
You're not going anywhere without these ministry gifts. To you, they may be your brother and sister, but to God, they're a gift to you to bring us to the unity of the faith. Anyone else that's coming? Pastor, will you come pray this prayer? God bless you. God bless you, Lord.